Hello and welcome to Sofa Sensei's. You're joined by me, Kavan, and of course, this is the Aki and Salt Fish Digital Network. And this wouldn't be Sofa Sensei's without a very, very special guest. Today, we're joined by heavyweight boxer Lamar Harrison. We're going to talk about his family history in boxing, as well as his ambitions in the pro game. He's a young pup right now in the heavyweight division, but don't worry, because the rest of the guys are retiring, as we're going to talk about later. And this is the perfect platform to get to know the name Lamar Harrison before he becomes heavyweight champion of the world. Well, with that being said, let's get stuck into it. So, Lamar, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And again, I must say, because boxers are, are proving to be the easiest guests to book. We have a few shows on the network, uh, which means we book a variety of guests. But I, I literally just DM'd Lamar and said, look, I've seen your Instagram. I love your style. I love all the things you bring to the game. Do you mind jumping on the show? And he says, yeah, sure, no problem. We put a date in the diary and we made it happen. Super, super easy. And I must give a shout out to Instagram as well, because it turns out you can book appointments within dms now which makes my life a lot easier so yeah thanks lamar really appreciate it how are you doing today i'm good thank you how are you yeah man you know it's, it's, a, it's a sunday it's a lovely day in england the, the weather's doing good for the last couple of weeks so yeah really appreciative um so yeah thanks for joining me and you know i think i want to address something right away so your last name is harrison yeah. and your your dad is the the late british boxing trainer oliver harrison yeah. And, you know, what I don't want to go over people's heads is what that means in the game of, of British boxing, because I'm going to reel off a few names here and I'd like you to tell me, you know, any stories you've got around these boxes, because your dad has trained all the names I'm about to mention. So, Amir Khan. Yeah, obviously, in the Olympics. I was all now young when he was in the gym, though. Um, I remember being in the gym, watching... Um, Working, working out, seeing him in the background. Same with, uh, obviously, Bachelor stuff, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie Moore. Moore. Yeah. Um, Martin, Martin Murray. I didn't really see Martin as much, because by that time, I was more football side of it. I was yeah. Just, um, I don't know, have you even Rocky Fielding as well? Rocky Fielding. Yeah, Rocky Fielding, yeah. Yeah, they were all when I'm, like I said, more into my football there. Um, but yeah, in the gym, obviously. Watching these the polls work out, it's a different level. Yeah, I mean it's crazy because you know this show is called Sofa Senses, and and you know we don't proclaim to be experts on on, on boxing. We literally watch it on probably the screen behind me, uh, and and share our views and opinions. But when we talk about Amir Khan, Matt Macklin, Jamie Moore, Rocky Fielding, Martin Murray, these are, are staples in British boxing. I could literally name you, um, you know, major fights that all these names have had. Um, fighting major names, you know, Amir Khan, Canelo, that's that's a crazy link up. So to know that that you know your your father's had had a role to play in launching those careers must be an incredibly proud thing for yourself. Of course, yeah, absolutely. And the same like you, with you, uh, Martin Zolf with um, Triple G. Yeah, of course. Wow. Well, yeah, we've been we've been big fights, big fights. My dad's been there by the sides as well, and when I see them now. We all, like I've seen Martin recently, so he's going to come to my, my first amateur fight. He's always, I can't think of a person who's got a bad word to say about my dad. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that is, is definitely something I noticed. In all the tributes I was reading uh, and all the, the, the sort of news articles, there was not one not one controversy. It was just pure uh, doing great things for the community and helping people become and fulfil their potential. So, you know, it was really, really 
lovely to read those things and i'm sure you get some comfort in that so and you know i want to i want to note as well today is father's day so i really appreciate you joining us today and let's hope this episode will just be a tribute to your father and all the things that he's done in boxing yeah thank you um so one of the things i want to talk about then is your sort of athletic beginnings because you mentioned there throughout some of the names we were talking about you know how you you were focusing on football so talk us through some of that that journey in athletics for you then so always, always been into sport. So obviously growing up, I had to, I had to be boxing. It's, yeah. <laughs> no matter what. So like I said, my mum and dad spoke. So whenever I go see my dad, it was gym, boxing. I take me back to my mum, playing football and stuff. But I did live with my mum. So I've always been playing football. Um, and my professional contracts when I was around 15, 16. Uh, but then I was see my dad always in the gym, um, always boxing. So it's not like, so say I'm going to start my career hopefully soon, but it's not like I've never done it before. I've been, been watching pro, I've been, been watching, been learning. I've always done the training. Because yeah. when you sign a professional contract, it's no more. You have to either choose football or choose football, which one you want at that time. In my life, I was football. Yeah. And I think, you know what? Um, if we're talking to, to many teenagers, Football would be the the sort of attractive route to go to go down, you know. Um, in the media, it looks like a great career. Uh, the money seems great. Uh, you're not taking any head damage, so you know all all these things sort of add up and sound like an attractive proposition. But like you said, there, boxing has been in your life since since pretty much day one. I saw a picture of you when you was very very young on Instagram and using some boxing shorts. So so you know the ring is is destined for you in a lot of ways. So that professional um, football career, then, what was that team that you, that you signed for? Uh, Oldham, Oldham Football Club. Oldham Wicked, Africa. Wicked. And, and how did that sort of come about? Like, and what was the journey with that? How long was you in? Was in, Was you in Oldham for? Oh, it signed with a year. I can't remember the year or two year contract. Um, but I was always doing the trials. United, say, always back and forth, Blackburn, Bolton, and then it got to the point where Oldham wanted to sign me. I signed them. I literally said my first game. I got uh, sent off. So. <laughs> There's a step up from your Sunday League football, Saturday League football, where you can swear at people and say whatever you want. Yeah. That's the rest of straight red cards. So that was an eye-opener. Thinking, oh, here we go. Yeah, but, lessons learned. Yeah. But yeah, then, um, was it, to be fair, the injuries of football is the worst one. I've got so many more injuries with football than I did with boxing. Boxing, you get the occasional bruise, bleeding, whatever. Or ribs. Football, once you injure your, like, your knees and like you're out for six months and that's what happened with me. It was actually in my tendon to my ankle. Wrong uh, tackle, went over on it, six months out. Everyone's still moving forward, progressing. Then you get left behind and that was it, basically. Wow. So it's a lot like a, almost like a, um, a treadmill then of just talent, 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 talent. Because like I say, a lot of, you've got a lot of young males in particular focusing on football. So if you're the one that's injured and out for six months, someone will just take your place. Yeah. I would always, I would, like I said, I would always recommend everyone to try some sort of combat sport just for the discipline side of it. Because I'm like, I am, as I play in Pittsburgh, five playing football, and I was like, well, I need to be more aggressive, I need to be this. But because I've done boxing all my life, mm. I've been like, you don't need to go and prove yourself to no one, you don't need to do this, you know what you can do. So I've always had that in the back of my mind, but obviously the aggression part of football is always there where you've got to, you have to be aggressive. But then I've got the back of my mind thinking, and that said, don't get into fights, don't do this, don't do that. You, you're disciplined. So it's like, it's always, it, it didn't hold me back in football. I said, if I need to, I can. Mm. But in the back of my head, I'm always like, I don't need to prove anything to me. I don't need to. When people kick off and start pushing and shoving in football, 
I'm never there, never at the front of that. What, 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 are we actually going to fight? And if we do fight, I'm probably going to get in trouble myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't see many six foot five footballers uh, that can handle themselves. So I'm sure it'll be a bit pretty one sided fight. Um, yeah. So a couple of things I want to pick up on. Um, I want to talk about sort of the foundation that football gave you, but I'll get onto that in a second. Um, when you're talking about some of the things that your dad's taught you then, some of those fundamentals and, and the sort of discipline of boxing, how did that take place? Was that because your dad's uh, professional career ended in 91? And what year were you born in? 1993. 93. So so to be honest, you're you're seeing him as a trainer and, and pretty much only as a, as a trainer. So, you know, is he taking you on one-to-one classes? Are you joining some of the amateur classes he, he runs or the pro classes that he runs? How does that sort of lessons get onto you? It was everything. One-on-ones, obviously. One-on-ones, the pro classes I would jump in, amateur classes I would jump in. To be fair, I was always scared of doing... Um, I was more scared of the amateur classes than the pro classes for some reason. I don't know why, as a kid. I, I just always... I don't know if it was like the pressure or whatever, but when mm. I was in the pros, I think the pros obviously were older than me, a lot older. So there wasn't that. But when it came to the amateur, you had to jump in and like... Well, yeah. Because I was tall as a kid, I was always fighting the older kids. So you've got the juniors and the seniors. Because I was so tall and so heavy, I had to fight with seniors as a kid. Yeah. So whenever I go to the gym and do the amateur classes, kids my age were all going, doing the one-twos and stuff. Like Lamar, jumping with the seniors. Don't get me wrong, they weren't back to me. Yeah. But as a kid, when age matters when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I've got to fight this 15-year-old I'm only what, and I'm telling them, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite, quite intimidating. But again, you know, what's interesting is um, I don't get the sense that your dad ever pushed you away from boxing because when sometimes when we talk to pros and uh, you know they, they mention their kids and we ask them you know would you let your kids fight and i'll probably say eight out of ten of them say no no I, i've done the fighting uh whereas it sounds like you were sort of encouraged to fight is, is, is that accurate sorry you cut off again i got a phone call and can you say that again sorry, bro. Okay. yeah all good yeah yeah so sometimes i was saying when we speak to, to, to um pros um who have retired we often ask them, you know, would you let your your kids fight? And they say no. Um, whereas it sounds like you was encouraged to, to sort of fight. Is, is, that, is that accurate? And, and are you sort of grateful for that that ability to, to, to learn early? Yeah, and I think I'd be the same. If I had children, I'd be the same. I would encourage them to, even just the self-defense side of it, just so yeah. you know, under yourself. Um, encourage them, if, if, they, if they enjoy it, go and do what you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, but at least you've got the background to defend yourself if something does happen if you don't enjoy it you don't like like you said there's boxers and fighters and then you get your bolt yeah you can enjoy boxing people enjoy hitting the pads people enjoy hitting the bags but when you jump in the ring and someone's hitting back and people just go that's it i don't want to do this no more not for me which is fair enough but if you enjoy and you want to get better than that person then yeah go with that path if you enjoy the fitness and you know how to defend yourself and if you do a little bit of sparring not for you but you know if someone throws a punch you know how to lay back you know how to slip at least if it happens in the street, I'd say, well, I would walk away. But if you have to, it's there, just in the memory bank. I think that's a really solid point, actually, about the different levels of boxing and boxing training. You know, the ability to be able to defend yourself is completely different to be able to fight in a ring in front of thousands of people. But to, yeah. to at least start somewhere on that spectrum um, is a great skill to have. I think that's a great point. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned there uh, about your sort of football background. Do you think that that sort of has helped you in where you are or where you want to go in boxing now? That fitness foundation, that ability to, I, 
I see boxers running, um, you know, about 10, 15 K in a match. Uh, is that the sort of foundation that helps you as a boxer? Yeah, fitness wise, it's completely different. Uh, it was a, it was an eye opener because like, and even just the amateur, so I, I normally train with the professionals. We train every day, I train with the professionals. So it's one o'clock till three o'clock. But then when you go to the amateur classes at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And even just the difference now, like I've been training so long with the professionals now, to come do my first amateur fight, we had to switch up my training, which is 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off, 15 seconds off, it's more of a boom, 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 sprint, 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 where I'm used to with the professionals now, taking your time, take the first two rounds off, figure them out, boom, 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 we're doing eight yeah. rounds, we're doing it, relax, breathe, breathe, breathe. Right now, I'm feeling tired of jumping with the amateurs, spying with the amateurs. And yeah. it's like 15, 16-year-olds is non-stop. I'm thinking, I'm not ready for this, but obviously, yeah. you adapt to it. But then with the football side of it, you've got to be ready for 45 minutes non-stop. Um, you get you get a longer, I will say, you get a longer rest in football. Jogging, occasional spin, jog, 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 stand still for a bit. You get a full recovery in football, which I didn't realise at the time until I did boxing. So, how did the sort of football fizzle out then for you? Injuries, and then outside, like I said, the injury, so the professional side of it was just the, with the injury. I've always enjoyed playing with my friends and playing with my mates and stuff. And but then it's just like the side of things have started taking boxing serious. My legs were starting to ache on Saturday, and then Monday when it's come to boxing training, I couldn't do the well, could do the mm. circuit, but I wasn't getting the potential the most out of what to do. So I was on playing Saturday and Sunday, my legs were just knackered. So I come to yeah. Monday professional training, I'm like, I jump over the back, I'll do this, that fast, that cut me up, those throw. And just because so don't get me wrong, I enjoy doing it. But if I want to take something serious, everything sacrifices, I'll cut everything out, cut it out there. Just, I think you touched on something really interesting there that we haven't really spoken about much on the show at all. Um, thinking about all the other boxes we've spoken to, recovery and the the importance of a sort of solo focus on boxing and not allowing distractions to get in the way of your recovery. You know, mentioning there, you're not being able to get over the bar and not feeling as quick as, as you usually are when your legs are tired. That's really interesting. What's, what are some of the things you do to recover? Well, you've got the... Ice baths, um, ice baths, stretching. Um, what I tend to do, so I've, I've always, because I've always been training, and my uncle said to me, my dad's brother Humphrey, he said to me, he said, you might need to take a day off. And he said, so when he said to take a day off, and I go, so what, so just go on the bike? And he goes, no, take a day off. So what, <laughs> what stretch and to do some stretching? He goes, no, take a day off. You need to rest, don't do anything. Just sit there in your house, watch football, watch films, whatever you do, don't do nothing. I was like, yeah, actually, I find it hard, I feel like I should be doing something. And he's like, yeah, so my recovery tends to be the ice bath, stretching, or I do go to the gym and I will go on just a spin bike and just sit on there for 20 minutes, stretch, shadow box, corner, shower, done. So it takes a bit of about an hour session, but it's not intense. But it just helps with my recovery. Yeah, getting the blood flow in, um, and like you say stretching the body is really really important but it, it's not something we've really spoken about before and I think there's um, a UFC 
uh, Hall of Famer Michael Bisping. He's the first British um, MMA fighter to win a UFC title. And he spoke about in his career, he often overtrained, he, he suspects, because that idea of taking a day off was just so alien to him. And he puts it down, actually, not to a sort of... Um, he puts it down to sort of insecurity, the idea that, wait, but someone else is working and I have to work. And his coaches had to talk him round to. That's being, a, being able to take a day off is real confidence. Being able to say, Do you know what? They can keep working, but I know I've put the work in and can take a day off to rest and recover and still come back better. And that was a really interesting conversation to hear, hear, talk, hear him talk about because, you know, if we believe everything we see online, these fighters, you fighters, all you, all you do is work. But often that work is also uh, put in via resting as well. So it's very interesting to hear your perspective on it. Thank you. Yeah, I think that would be um, the two sides of it, though. So if I think there's the skill side of it and the fitness side of it. Mm. I think they're getting better skill-wise that they're doing pads on the work on the finger. Uh, um, that would annoy me. So I think someone's doing pads and working on something that I need to be working as well, that would annoy me. Yeah. Like, yeah, might be insecurity or whatever, but I want to be as fit as I can. So like, I know it'll probably knock your legs out, but kills things. I need to get fit. I want to be fit. I want to be, as soon as I get in the ring, I want to make you feel like you can't go no more. I yeah. want to be moving, making you think um, how do you keep moving, especially in the heavyweight division. It all looks stuck in the mud. they just very smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one for myself is I'm light on my feet and I can move and I've got good footwork, which I want to put into the pro game because, like I said, I watch all these people fighting. They're just very, they're just that, especially in the heavyweight division. I noticed you say on one of your Instagram posts about the benefits of dancing. Uh, and it's very out the sort of playbook of Usyk and, and, and Lomachenko. I'm pretty sure Lomachenko's dad put him in like dance school for like four years so he could get yeah. his footwork on point. Um, so, yeah, do you apply any sort of, uh, how should you put it, uh, out there training methods to sort of improve particular elements of your of your game? The only thing I'll do is I watch people like Lomachenko. I watch people with good footwork. And when I'm in the gym by myself, I've got the keys to the gym. I can go in whenever I want. And when I'm doing my shadow boxing by myself, I've got a stronger like on. And I'll do it to the beat. And I'll move and I'll practice different footwork techniques. And I'll be switch stepping. I'll be doing everything, moving down to the beat of the music, get comfortable, get comfortable. And then from there, we put it into practice. Yeah. That's very Roy Jones, you know. I see. I, I saw what you was doing in one of the videos. Roy Jones, when he trained, um, well, in his own training, he did it. But then I saw a video of him training uh, Eubank Jr. And he listens to music in the background, works to the rhythm of the music. It's all about rhythm for Roy Jones Jr. So again, if you're if you're taking pointers from uh, Lomachenko, Roy Jones, those are the people. Footwork, elusive, you know, ev avoiding getting hit. So those are the perfect names to learn from. Um. So when we talk about sort of footwork and the skills that you develop in boxing what would you say is your best attribute then in the ring is it your speed power footwork skill fight iq i think it will be speed and footwork and um, i think everyone heavyweight division everyone can hit hard is you get to a point where if you can knock a man out you can knock a man out it gets to the point where don't get me wrong you're going to john say wow there's people who take heavy punches but yes you can knock me out but also I'm guessing Ian Joshua can knock me out. I'm guessing Dylan White can knock me out. So your level of power, it gets to the point where you could be the hardest punch in the world, but Ian Joshua can knock him out. Might yeah. hit hardest, he could still knock him out. So it doesn't really matter when it comes to your power. So yes, I've got power naturally in six foot five. I can, I've got power, but the one thing I can, like I said, with the heavyweight division, the static, don't move. Like I said, you see, the first, you've seen Yusik um, and Joshua, he yeah. just bounced around. He just outboxed him. He's, yeah. Joshua didn't 
if he can uh, also uncomfortable switching into Southpaw. We're watching Terence Crawford and people like that who can switch onto Southpaw and just give someone switch, switch, switch. That jab with the right hand um, step. Um, just everything basically. My main asset, I've got to go for speed and footwork to make an adjustment to people. So we know you train the footwork because we spoke about that earlier, but do you train your speed or is that a natural attribute for you? I do train it as well, but it is a very natural and very fast switch. I have like sprinting. I think when I was younger, my 200 meters is 22 seconds. So it's, I've always, like it's just, I've always been a quick person running, punching. I've always been quick. But come with that makes you tired that, uh, that easy as well. So I thought, yeah. again, I think security, if you're feeling tired, you're feeling tired. I need to go out now. I need to go get my enjoyment. But. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I should I should have known already because from when you dad's Jamaican, that fast fast twitch fibre is there. Yeah. That's, 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 that's part of your foundation. Yeah, I should have known. Um, okay, so... I want to talk a little bit about the, the um, actually, before I get to the program, I want to talk about your amateur sort of ambitions. So I've seen a few videos on your Instagram. I'm sh- I'm pretty sure you sat someone down with a jab. I'm pretty sure I saw that a video yeah, like yeah. that. Um, that poor person, man. I, that, that, yeah, that must have, that must have hurt. Um, so what has your experience in the ring been like so far? Because I know you haven't actually started an amateur career yet. So has it been sort of like white collar? Yeah, white collar on license, yeah. Um, okay, I've Credit to everyone who gets in the ring and no disrespect, no respect to everyone who gets in the ring, but they're not on my level. And I say that because like I said I've been training all my life and mm-hmm. just like said, get a few white cards, get a few on license, get, get the feel for people watching me fight through you. And did that. As like I said, seeing the guy, I dropped him with that. I think that was, I was in South Hall actually and he dropped him with my right hand. Um, but it was a jab. But um, I felt comfortable, better at home in there. Switched up people. It could have been, as I say, this, I've never been in a situation, but it could be 100,000 people, could be 1,000, could be 10 people. Switch off, it's just me and you in that ring. That's it. Mm. So, when you know, we're talking about those in white collar not being on your level, I'm thinking right now, Fabio Wardley, his start was, you know, in the white collar ranks. He is now British heavyweight champion. So, there's a there's a clear route, you know, for you to, to collect these titles in, in, in the pro ranks. And Fabio, I think himself is only like 29, maybe early 30s. So, yeah. you know, there's some real interesting routes and interesting matchups in the future once we get these sort of amateur fights out the way. So what is that amateur plan then? Well, I spoke to the board and we have to do these five amateur fights first, get these five amateur fights going on the record, and then we can turn over. See what we do when we turn over, see how many fights we need. Obviously, the idea, the roadmap is both for the British, Commonwealth European and just see where it goes from there, hopefully. But yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out. Nice. So I want to ask you about the sort of um, pro game, if you will. So given the, the the last name that you carry, do you think that, that brings with it any pressures for you? Yeah, and I, I said this to a lot of people, so there's no, the only pressure I've got, really, I don't I wouldn't say it's the last name, but it's the expectation of me not doing as good as I should. I'm not worried about. <clears throat> I'm not worried about um, losing. I don't, it, it's more not being able to perform as, as well as I know I could have performed, and that yeah. happens. Like I said, UK boxers say the better man won in the night. I could probably take him, and that's that's the only pressure I really feel. 
because I'm proud to have the last name. That's 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 not the pressure. It's the pressure to know what I can do. But if I don't, it's when if you don't do it, that's what the noise in the back of your mind. Well, I think you know, in a lot of ways, you're already fifty percent of the way there because you're doing it. You're you're starting it. You're in it. And I think you know, it could easily be something that you say, you know, what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna go there because of because of the pressure of me not doing as well as I know I can do. But by going there you're creating action, you're creating momentum. And that's a great position to put yourself in because now your face is against the wall and you've got, you got to come out on the other side. You've got to do it. So that's a that's a, a great lesson in resilience there in terms of just showing up um, and, and the rest can fall into place. So when we talk about sort of the pro game, one of the things I want, I always mention to sort of the amateur boxers that we talk to is selling yourself, you know, being a promoter, a self-promoter at that, because there are obviously the big promoters in, in pro boxing, but um often you know the best promoter is yourself so is there anything that you're looking forward to or perhaps a little bit nervous about the pro games i'm thinking if i'm honest with you and we can swear on this because it's the acting self digital network i'm thinking about the shit talking you know some of the, some so those are the things when i think about my uh the people that got me into to boxing originally it was that hatton versus mayweather fight that was a major thing that got me in because those two going against each other was just amazing to see uh and then it was David Hay becoming heavyweight champion of the world. He, you know, talking about Audley Harrison and, and some of the things that, that he said to him and that whole build up and, you know, his torment of, of Vladimir Klitschko. Those are the sort of things that got me interested. So yeah. is that something you, you sort of, I don't know how to ask this question, but are you sort of practicing? Is it natural to you or what? Oh, I look forward to it. I honestly do. I, 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 when I'm just randomly, I'll be walking about, I think about, I can't wait. For when I'm watching football, I when I'm watching boxing, I'm watching like um, Fraser Clark, or Fabio Wadi and stuff like this. I'm thinking, if that was me, oh my God, he would, have, he would have no, he would have to fight me. Good things I would be saying. Don't get me wrong, no, I wouldn't be disrespecting any family members or anything like that. But it comes with where you grew up. I think it all depends on where you grew up and who you grew up with. Because that back and forth, that when, when you've got it, you've got it. If it's not, you can tell someone's not got it. And yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll see in the future. I love that. I love that. And I love the energy as well, because uh, you talking about, you know, how you grew up and what the sort of th- people that you grew up around. I'm thinking back to I used to get the bus to school back in the day. And if you was on the bus, you had to be quick. You had to be quick. It was either be quick or be flattened. Isn't it? And so you, that ability to, to talk back real quick was was a skill on the bus. So, you know, I can imagine growing up in Salford. You know, that, that is, a, is a, a, a place where, you know, people have got something on you and you've got to come back real quick. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. And that brings me on nicely to uh, my next question, which is the assessment of the heavyweight division. So I'll list off a few names for you and we'll just sort of get your immediate thoughts on those names. So, Fabio Wardley. Uh, again, that's because, like I said, when I said I got my eyes on people, that's Again, you expect to get to the ring. I think he's a great fighter, especially like I said, he comes from uh, White Collar, what he's made it up to now. Respect to him. Joe Joyce. Uh, but his most recent fight, he put his name to the test and didn't end up too well for him. So don't get me wrong. Great, again, great for British boxing, but he's put his name to the test now and he looks like he's. Taking two minutes shot to the head now. Dave Allen. Uh, I've got nothing to say for that, really. Final name, final name. 
For me, it's got to be Fraser Clark. He fought the weekend. Fraser Clark, did you say? Yeah, Fraser Clark. Yeah. Uh, I think he needs to stop talking. I don't think, I, me personally, I don't think he should be calling out Fabio Wardley. Great fighter again. Um, one of the next up and coming. But I don't think he should be calling Fabio Wardley because I think Fabio Wardley was whacked as well. But you got to do what you got to do to get, what's the answer? Is he eight, eight professional, six? I think about six, yeah. yeah six professional fights, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, a few more. What was his last fight? Was it was it eight rounds that one? Yeah, uh, Marius Wack. Um, it might even be. It might even have been a ten rounder. It might. It might uh, have been a ten rounder. Yeah. It was only recent ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I, I rate him to be fair. I rate Fraser Clark. Yeah, I think. I think maybe. Maybe there's a, a danger right now with with Fraser Clark that. Because he turned over from the Olympia from the Olympics, um, he's managed by AJ. People are watching him from his first fight, mm-hmm. um, and to be fair, we watched AJ from his first fight, and that sort of turned out okay. Um, yeah. But I think there's a lot of pressure on Fraser Clark. Whereas other fighters, we might sort of leave them alone for their first eight, nine, ten, maybe even more fights, and then we tune into them at sort of fifteen. No, when you know what I mean. So maybe there's a bit of pressure on. Uh, undue pressure on Fraser Clark, and I think the whole uh, him versus Fabio Wardley thing sort of damaged his his uh, name a little bit because it yeah it didn't look good. Stop doing that, yeah, relax on that. I think. But because yeah. uh, sometimes it, it doesn't, it, it can pay off, but sometimes it doesn't. Like look at Daniel Dubois with Joe Joyce, it's like it was too soon for him. He got his I think his eye socket, his eye jabbed. He just yeah. wasn't ready for it. Don't get me wrong, uh, Daniel Dubois again, young up and coming. But he just wasn't ready for something like that. And I think that's what Fraser Clark is with Fabio Ward. I don't think it would be... It would be a really good fight, but I don't think he's ready for it just yet. Get a yeah. few more fights and then, then go forward. I think the dark horse in that sort of British domestic scene is um, David Adelaide. Um Because I see him talk to uh, Fraser Clark and he just... It was a different energy. It was a different energy. Fraser Clark was was was... I think he's naturally a kind person, right? So he w- he wasn't sort of being dra- uh, drawn out by him. But David, you could see, he just wanted the aggression. So I, I think <laughs> in a in a fight setting, that's gonna that's gonna sort of rear its head. So I'm really intrigued in that fight, actually. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see how that all pans out. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just it's a really interesting time to chat to you in your career because you know there's so many possibilities on the table and you've got so much history and lineage in boxing so it's really fascinating to sort of pick your brains a little bit on on um on you know boxing and, and, and where you want to go so i suppose the big question to end it off really is where do you want to be in boxing if you could tell me your your, your ideal endpoint where do you want to be realistically i I'm looking for world champion. I want to be. I'm going world champion. I'm not. I'm not going half high. I think oh, I'm just doing this to have a see what it's like. I'm going to have a few bouts to see what I can do. No, no, no. no. It's, I'm sacrificing everything for it. I'm not like I said when I started doing it, but for taking it really, really serious five years ago. It's like I, I see the I see people messaging me and commenting and stuff like this and going, not gonna. You train all the time. What's it for? What's it for? Is that you, you don't see the bigger picture. Mm. It's just you, I have to do it. Do you want to go out? No, I've got to do this. You staying up to one o'clock in the morning? No, I've got to sleep because I'm up at this time. I've got to go to the run. But I'm not doing it for fun. It's I want to be the best. And if I'm, if I'm, it's just what it's instilled in my head. So 
I'm doing the amateurs, so I can go to pro, I'm go pro. I'm not just being a pro for the sake of being a pro, I'm not just going to be no journeyman for someone. I'm being pro because I want to be the best. I don't care who you've got your name in front of me. I'm going to outwork you, and I'm going to outbox you, and that's what it is, and I'm coming with world titles. So, you know, when you sort of get those messages about what are you training for, does that drive you a little bit? Is that yeah, something yeah. that is, yeah, it's driving you on? I don't, to fair, <laughs> because there's probably a few people you could speak to, and those, like, even if they're trying to compliment me, I'll try, I'll try and twist them and go, no, 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 you don't really want me to do this. I, I need you to say that I can't do it so I can go out yeah, and do yeah, it. Yeah. And it, 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 I don't know, it's, it's a weird, it, it's weird, but when people say I can't do something, it's just, all right, okay. I don't care how long it takes. Like I said, five years ago, they trained, give me, give me an extra, give me, give me a year and see if you're making that same comment. Yeah, I appreciate that. I can see, as you're talking about that, I can see the drive in your eyes. So listen, I think it's fair to say, as Sober says, we believe you and we, we back you all the way. So, okay, the final thing I want to talk about is quite um, a difficult topic to talk about when you're at the start of your career. But I'll ask it anyway, because it is something that we try and ask all of our guests. It's about, um, have you heard of Trish Dixon's book, Damage? Uh, no, no, sorry. So it's a book about sort of uh, brain trauma within boxing. Uh, and the impact of not necessarily while boxers uh, or fighters are boxing, but more after their careers and, and sort of the plans in place or the support in place after their careers and also the culture in boxing. So I think, you know, um, I was talking to a fighter the other day who fought in the, in the 80s and, um, you know, he was talking about same day weigh-ins and he was talking about 15 round fights. And, you know, um, now we obviously have day before weigh-in, so you, you so you're allowed to sort of rehydrate, and we have uh, 12 round fights because again the 15 those extra three rounds sort of accumulate that damage as time goes on. So do you ever think about that damage that that, that you may take as a fighter? Um, not really. And I said this to my mum actually and said, she said, "What I'm going to push in the face?" But there's one thing I've got going for me is because I was talking with football, I didn't have that much sparring. Mm. This many people have been sparring from it was eight all the way up to now. And they've taken all already taken these these shots. But to be fair, as I my uncle says to me, I said, it's not a game. Even that, even the ring to fight someone, don't be nice, don't do this. But you hit him, he's coming out to hurt you, you've got to go and hurt him. Yeah. You know? And that's the mindset you've got to have. You don't I don't really think about if you're thinking about stuff like that, don't get me wrong with the longevity of it and you obviously want to think about your health in the future, but while you're in it right now, it's not something that crosses my mind now, to be honest. I'm more focused on, he's trying to hurt me, I'm going to hurt him. You know what? I think, if I'm honest, talking to someone who's at the beginning of their career, that's probably the best answer anyway, because you, you can't be having those thoughts. It's a lot like we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, you can't be... Um, letting the doubts of other people infiltrate your mind. You have to have that full confidence that you're training to the best of your ability, no stone left unturned. And that's the, that's the best way to be at the start of your career. Um, again, what we'd like to do as Super Sensei is keep track of your career, you know, after any fights or before any fights, if you want to come on and promote those, please do give us a shout because we'd love to have you on. Um, don't forget as well, we've got part two. So if you're listening to this and you're enjoying the conversation with Lamar, tune in next week for part two, where we ask him our, our signature seven questions. So, that has been Sofa Sensei's on the Aki and Soap Fish Digital Network. You've been joined by me, Kavan, 
And this is, of course, the Aki and Saltfish Digital Network. In case you didn't know, we can be found on Twitter at Aki and Saltfish, TikTok, Aki and Saltfish. You can email us if you've got any questions or comments, Aki and Saltfish at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us, Sofa Senseis, on Instagram at Sofa Senseis. And Lamar, where can you be found online so that people can follow your journey? Only Instagram, really. Instagram, Lamar, with two hundred four Harrison. There we go. Follow him up. Track his journey. It's a great Instagram. If you want to feel inspired and you want to feel like you have more to give, follow Lamar because he'll push you all the way. Thank you so much. Take care and see you soon.